2: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Live from the heart of the NFL draft experience Sports talk, hot takes and all of the bangers. This is the Playmakers on 1140 The Bet and the Odyssey app.
1: That's about as special of an intro as it's going to get here on the Playmakers, but it is a very, very unique time to be alive and in our Las Vegas community. We are live down at Radio
3: Row slash Media Room. The Media Workroom Experience Extravaganza.
1: We'll just say it's kind of communal. How about that? (laughs) Let's keep it simple. Uh, and and we're, we're sitting across from some of our friends in El Paso I've already seen a, a few of my colleagues that I would normally frequent the Golden Knights press box with clearly we're all taking a, a little bit of different steps today because again NFL draft here and we will be here today and tomorrow broadcasting live and it's been an Unbelievable experience so far. So
3: we've been here what, like three hours? And, and by like the way, six,
1: but that's all right. True.
3: My name is Adrian Hernandez. Like you like to say, the the time is a is a concept.
1: Yes, social
3: um, construct. Yes, a social construct. Um, this is a. Uh, Kind of unbelievable, a little little starstruck of everything going on. Yep. I know that this is your first radio row experience so far.
1: It is, at the professional sports level, yes. And it's been a pleasant one so far. I mean, we kind of took the long way uh, in terms of parking and then getting ourselves here. But in terms of what's being offered, all the people that are giving directions, I know that there, it takes a ton of people power and planning and everything just to make sure that we can do our jobs and we're just one little leaf on a branch on a tree that is this whole event. And so uh before we get started other than saying my name is Lindsey Brown, just want to thank everybody that has put forth any effort towards getting this going and really showing off our community in a way that it hasn't been before.
3: You no, know, 100% whether you're at Aria, the Park MGM, the Link Um, A lot of volunteers. Caesars. Caesars, Caesars, of course. Can't forget him. He gets angry. 100%. A lot of uh, volunteers. And if you're coming down here to experience the draft to go to the NFL Draft Experience Mm. or in front of the Bellagio Mountains, fountains, excuse me, Um, look for them purple shirts and those volunteers here from our city. But, yeah, so far, and we've been able to walk through the experience, uh, pleasantly surprised the amount of people here Mm -hmm. and just how seamless and, and how much... Help there is if you need it.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm very enthused by the number of Vikings jerseys I've seen. I would go out to say that they're probably the the most represented fan base here. Uh, clearly, we're trying to escape the winter that has not left yet. But uh, I tried to rescue someone earlier. They had a Vikings uh, jersey on, but they were with, with some Packers people. I'm like, are you okay? Blink twice if you need me. And it seemed like he was definitely part of that group, although it was misguided. But it seems to be kind of a theme around here, not in terms of like this event, but we got to go into our can opener, right? And that's pretty much our only non-football-related segment today.
2: It's time for the can opener. Oh, look
1: at Marcus. I didn't even give him a heads up, and he was already on it. White on rice. Look at that. Hockey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, boy. And I'm, and I'm sitting right next to you. This
1: is, yeah, this you is might, a, a first need to time. Give Let me myself back some up room to stretch here, because uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'm probably the only person in this room talking hockey in this current moment, but
3: because is about to get serious,
1: my God, it's over people. It's officially over the streak, the party, the facade, your Vegas Golden Knights were finally eliminated last night wasn't because of their actions, because they gave up, you know, that, that, that qualification to control their own destiny. The Dallas Stars were able to secure a point and take over that last playoff spot. But man, Adrian, don't you think we did a hell of a job of giving ourselves a chance? Like, we put forth the effort, we're there. Shootout. Again. Again. Guess how many goals we scored.
3: I did not watch the game. You didn't. Please don't tell me it was zero. It again? was
1: zero goals again. am back-to-back nights, zero shootout goals. Actually, three games in a row in which they, made, they went to a shootout, and they were unable to score a goal. Logan Thompson literally cannot do any more than what he has done. We talked about this yesterday in terms of what, uh, the only thing he can do in addition would be score goals, and you can't do that based off of how much time they've been spending in the – Golden Knights end, but we sent out Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Shea Theodore Chandler Stevenson, Max Pacioretty Jonathan Marchessault and Michael Amadio had his had the season on his stick after the Blackhawks, Tyler Johnson was finally able to break the seal If you're wondering who the goalie was for the Chicago Blackhawks, it was not Mark andre Fleury because he was playing up in Minnesota Kevin Lankanen, whoever that is Who? Yep, some dudes that name Kevin Beat us last night and so mercil- mercifully your golden knights are headed to the offseason they have one more game left in the regular season they're gonna be at the st louis blues just for you know good times and vibes for alex petrangelo as he returns to the enterprise center for i don't know maybe like the third or fourth time but i'm not gonna lie this team has been a real chore to cover this year like i we're gonna get into some stuff maybe not today or tomorrow but the next couple weeks like of just how singular a situation this franchise has worked itself into, like, and and just the the expediency of that, Adrian, because they went from the first year have everything going for them and no expectations and everything else to go to the Stanley Cup final, and then four years after that, Kelly McCrimmon has not only managed to dismantle the spirit of this team, he broke it. If it wasn't Pete DeBoer, because Pete DeBoer, if you're a goalie, we're going to throw you under the bus. Nobody else gets talked about except for our net minders. And that's why, for me, this offseason is integral to the Gold Knights' success, not just in the next couple seasons, but perhaps really the next big chunk of chapter here. Because the way that I look at this is that there's an infection. This is a sickness. Mm. This, this is a sick individual if we're going to just talk about this franchise as a being. How do you get rid of infection? You go halfway? You go half fast. No, you
3: got to clean it completely. I mean, I've
1: had wounds cleaned out where they've left a speck. And I have to go back in two weeks later, and it's the most painful thing of all time because not only does it stay in there, it festers. And so for me to find um, hope for this franchise and the goals that they have set for themselves, I am convinced that if they would like to reach those goals, that they cannot do it. With Kelly McCrimmon at the helm of the GM position, and they cannot do it with Pete DeBoer as the coach.
3: Can I play the other side real quick?
1: Absolutely. Someone must, I guess.
3: This team was so close to making the playoffs despite all the injuries. So if I have the mindset of half of this team was completely injured for most of the season, yep. and look how successful they were. The uh, rebuttal is what?
1: The rebuttal is, well, you're concerned about results, right? And that's something that is completely expected. This is the business that we're in. But it's not all about injuries, because injuries happen to everybody. Injuries, the, the, the timing, granted, we had it happen often to our, to our best players, and we weren't really ever able to fully gel. But if they were healthy, would they have been allowed to gel anyways? Because we are like $10 million over the salary cap right now. This has been mismanaged to the point where it doesn't matter if there's stuff that you can't help, because you've put yourself in such a compromised position. That you can't recover from it. The fact that they have they went out and made a trade for Jack Eichel, who's this, you know, offensive wonder kid. This guy who's gonna change everything. He's the top center that they, they don't grow on trees in this league. You know how hard it is to find those. And we're gonna trade the farm. We're gonna trade Mark Stone Light, aka Peyton Krebs. We're gonna trade Alex Tuck, who is basically the teddy bear of this team. And we're going to ship him out for this guy. And this isn't a segment or blame laying at the feet of solely of Jack Eichel. Because he's coming back from injury. But we all see the eye rolls. We all see the lack of anything in these last few games. And it's not just him. But he's the biggest piece that was moved for. And that was enabled by Kelly McCrimmon. He leveraged the future of this team for that move. He made the move to just send Marc-Andre Fleury to Chicago for a bag of pucks because he wanted to chase Jack Eichel. And this is where we, what we've been talking about for weeks. We're finally just here seeing the chickens come home to roost. That when you prioritize talent, when you prioritize profit, when you prioritize the result, do not be surprised when it falls apart because you have eroded away the character, the spirit, and the light of this of this team.
3: Face of the franchise. Yes. Beloved.
1: Yes. And so that's where the injuries don't really make that big of a difference to me. It, it makes a difference in terms of the result, but I'm not sure we get the result that we're looking for even if maybe Mark Stone doesn't go down. Maybe Max Petrelli only gets hurt for, for one of those stints because the way that this team has been run is a faulty build. And I'm not saying it's beyond reclamation, but it's going to take a lot of work. And it's going to take somebody with a lot of imagination. You know who I don't trust for imagination? Kelly McCrimmon. I don't. I don't because I I, I don't see imagination and that overall kind of vision and understanding of the world around you when we are so focused and so willing to burn anyone and anything to the ground just so I can get what I want.
3: And obviously they've hunted and they've went for, for very popular and good players like Jack Eichel. But is it realistic after this season to think that they're going to completely clean house with not only the coaching staff but also the front office? Because that seems like a lot.
1: I mean, yeah, it is a lot. And it's unlikely. I, it, it's going to come down to Pete DeBoer, Kelly McCrimmon, because they're not, they're not in cahoots together. Let's just say that. Um. And all the drama that's spiraled in the last couple weeks, specifically about our goaltending position, it's not anything about the players. It is directly between the relationship of those two. And that's where I'm like, can we be adults? Can we not throw people under the bus? Can we not settle scores with our coworkers and put other people and use them as pawns? So that's why I'm like... You don't deserve to have that opportunity to rebuild or try to reclaim this, because you don't know how to treat people. And that is the bare minimum. If that can't be met, I, I don't think you should be part of this. And I'm sorry, if, if you're one of those people that says, this is a business, it's money, These guys, this is what you should expect, this is the way the world is, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And so I want someone with bearings, maybe even they're a little bit more misguided, I would rather get lost with someone that I know is going to be able to help me survive when things go wrong rather than someone who's going to say, get off the door, drown.
3: And it's very hard for me on the flip end for people to be like, it's just a business. Like how many different examples earlier this week, Mm. you made the correlation of the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. And two of the top 75 players of all time on that roster. And that chemistry was off. The drama The things, that is exhausting throughout this entire season. How many times have have I asked you, especially in the past month or so, where all these games are must-win situations, Mm -hmm. where you've said it feels like this team is always down 2-0, that the energy level isn't there. And the players need to feel, they need to be bonded, and obviously them getting rid of um, Flurry sent chills to this group that never recovered. It sent
1: sent chills to the group in in terms of everybody – or I should say, nobody's untouchable, but then there's there's that scariness, and then there's the fact that you lose flower. Like, I will never forget going into that first practice after, or to start this season, and how much quieter it was. And specifically, how much different Jonathan so was without Marc-Andre Fleury out there practicing with him. Because they, they just, they had one of those relationships where they're always competing, where they're always trying to make each other better, and truly bring out the best and and help really raise the raise the tide for everyone else like they're just those types of teammates some we look at uh athletes to be singular in making their teammates better that's a that's a big thing to put on one person and and just be like just get yourself up for it and you just be the light for everyone else sometimes it's just two people carrying a bucket of water and that's what marcia so and with flurry were and that's where the rink wasn't fun anymore and so even if you want to bond even if this group is as tight as Max Pacioretty says, in terms of we know what's in the room, we know we have the talent, we know that we love each other. It's not going to be enough because they do not feel secure in where they are. And why would they? Because even the guys that are still here, I mean, if you're not scared of being traded, what's going to come down the pipeline today? What drama is going to overtake us today? And it sometimes it's nice because then the attention moves to somewhere else. But when it's every damn day, it's and exhausting. that's your buddy. That's my friend. That's who I went to battle with. And I can't say anything. Like, there's little power dynamics. And we've talked about the unique nature of the hockey community and, and the leverage that the powers that behold over those below them. But I, I just, they weren't set up to succeed. I, I, I really genuinely believe that even without – these injuries derailing i don't think this team can succeed in its current construction because where have we seen it actually done well they say oh we're exactly the same as tampa bay no we are not 20 years they've been in this in this league or more and they built through drafting their own players they had to let someone go like the tyler johnsons of the world who scored on the shootout he was Uh, uh, well he was a free agent pickup for them but he was on the line with like Palat they they grew Steven Stamkos they grew Kucherov that is all through investment on your program some of that is we just haven't had the time we haven't had the experience to be able to do that but this is also a team that has traded away most of their assets to get people that are ready to play in this league now well they're ready to play but apparently they're not ready to perform that's the difference and so We've talked about the systematic problems with, with Pete DeBoer, and we'll keep kind of uh, unraveling this in the, in the days that come because.
3: That power play definitely improved throughout the season, right? No. <laughs> he said they'd work on
1: it, though. They when said, said they were going to work on it. You asked him, though, Lindsay. They, I did ask them, and I left him alone for the whole season just like he act too. And you know what? I probably won't go back in there because I, I genuinely have trouble caring enough about what these guys say because they don't care about people at least in the sense that it should be. And this is where hockey lags. This is where this specific organization has worked themselves into being the most hated one in the league. I've never seen anything like it. The only level of vitriol that I can compare is to Canadian teams. But they've had 100 years to build this up, guys. Right? Like you are saying yesterday, they, they Silver Spoon, third base, Razor Scooters, and we got lessons. So I'm just – I'm glad that it's over in a lot of ways. I think that the players have been flogging themselves in, in, in many instances of just being, you have to play elimination game, elimination, elimination. I think the long off season will pay off huge for them. But again, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me if it returns in the same construction, in the coaching position, and in the GM. Maybe we get one out. Maybe it's two. I don't know. I wouldn't want. This type of drama being part of my daily life, if I were running an organization or if I owned an organization, but then again, that's not my team.
3: And, and, and it's what what I asked you in you know cleaning house. I just I wonder if whether it's the front office leaves or we get a new coach in, how much of getting rid of that bad blood to a certain extent does it really matter? Because well, it that, can that's just, what we
1: use the in, the infection thing. Yeah, it will come back. It will come back, and we we don't have unlimited swings at the bat here, right? Max Pacioretty 33 years old and has an unbelievable shot that will decimate his hips in the next five years, if not sooner. Mark Stone's back. Who knows? We know just how he has skated and and how different that looks to what we are expectant of him. Everybody else is going to get a year older. Everybody else is going to move through another year of their contract. And we've also taken on some long-term contracts of players that are eating a ton of minutes and not giving us a whole lot back, if not opening us up to some more vulnerable positions. Yes, I am talking about Alex Bertrangelo. Like, he needs to take a hard look in the mirror. Jack Eichel, every single one of these guys needs to be chewing on this just days and days and days all off-season long. But we're not quite there yet. They have one more game left before the abyss welcomes them back into it. We need to move on with our conversation because I'm getting too negative around We I already have so many friends around us and I don't want to make a bad impression. So let's those go to damn a little... Nights. Yeah, those damn <laughs> nights. Uh Joel Klatt, you had an interview with him yesterday. We're going to get into that conversation on the other side of the break. 1140, The Bet.
2: Welcome back to The Playmakers, live on Radio Row at the 2022 NFL Draft on 1140, The Bet and the Odyssey app.
1: Hellest of lows and highest of hoes. Welcome back to the playmakers. It's getting
3: fancy with the voice guy now. Let's go. Right.
1: I never. I didn't even realize we could like ask for this. Right. I Maybe know. That's right? our Problem.
3: Our, our guy Marcus over here was working in the oh. lab, cooking some stuff up for us. Check
1: two, two, two. Yeah, yeah, Check yeah. One, two,
3: two. Lindsay, I do gotta say, and and like the fancy voice guy said, we're here, radio roll, uh, just feet away from the stage, the draft theater, and the draft experience here at the link. Um. So we're sitting tableside. We're next to each other. I do want you to know I have specifically not gone on Twitter because you know what's on my feed, and I just don't. What do want. you mean, the booty pics? Yeah. Ah, oh,
1: the booty pics. Yes. You don't want to have it, that on display forever because we are literally like front row in this media yeah. room. So our we're screen table <laughs> can be seen by anyone here, if not hacked. Into yeah. There's us, enough sure. booty out
3: there on the link with everybody, and it's hot outside. Yeah, you Stay were looking.
1: Rated. You were looking. Oh. Our, do we yes! have things going on, or are you just making the the sound? We just, we can.
3: Did, I think it, Marcus felt excited and Marcus wants to be included. Let's oh, just,
1: can I? Can I? Can I touch it?
3: Whoa! Yes, you can. Consent is
1: important. Oh!
3: <laughs> yes, the draft is here. Oh, um, and I also like I've been, you know, just trying to keep to my notes and just making sure and yeah, being like, are you on are the I'm gonna go to the ringer, you know, just trying to get a different outlook as we read the internet to you. Um, but no,
1: seriously. Do more than that, guys. Please don't reduce us down to just reading the internet.
3: We can um, confirm
1: that other efforts are made. Exactly,
3: which is why we're about to um get into this interview. Yeah, you um, went
1: the extra mile.
3: Yeah, luckily at Caesar's Palace, of so the NFL, afforded uh, media members the opportunity, um, to sit down with some of uh, their best analysts. And before we get into the person that we're going to talk to, I just want everyone to know that I had to get into an argument, and I don't know if they're here as I turn around because I don't see them. We're looking for you, but you are. But the Jets media team... Oh. How dare they try to skip the line? And they tried to cut me in line while I was trying to do this interview. I composed myself, Lindsay. Is this
1: the two Americas you were talking about yesterday? Two different Americas. Privilege.
3: The assumption that this, yeah, this, this person and that this team... Excuse me, I'm getting emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> Very emotional. Like, why are you skipping Like, You're already number two in the draft. You're number two in the draft. You got multiple picks. Why are you cutting me? Thankfully, um, I got my time with Joel Klatt, who is uh, Fox Sports' lead college football analyst. And for the fourth year this year, tonight, uh, NFL Network, he'll be next to Rich Eisen breaking it down. Um, so, excuse the audio. We were poolside, Caesars Palace, by the way. My goodness, I want to talk about booty in the AM. You're
1: just chasing down a story.
3: A lot of booty, a lot of uh, draft insight. So here it is, Joe Clapp from Fox Sports, college football oh, analyst. Last year, we had eight quarterbacks taken in the first three rounds, yep. right? It was quarterback heavy. Yep. Whereas this time, you know, we got tackles, we got wide receivers, we got cornerbacks. You know, for fans, where should their excitement level be? Because obviously, quarterbacks are the eye candy. Yeah.
4: I think that the two strongest position groups are edge rusher and wide receiver in the draft. Um, there's some excellent edge rushers. And, and some of these guys have been pushed down the list to where they're going to be second and third round picks. And in any other year, they would be top of the second round or maybe even pushing into that late in the first round. Um, let me just give you some example of, of names out there. David Ajabo, after his injury, you know, he's going to have great value. Arnold Ebicadee from Penn State, Logan Hall from Houston, uh, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, Kingsley, um, uh, Nagbari, I, I screw that name up all the time, South Carolina, Drake Jackson, USC, Nick Benito, Oklahoma, all really good players. Um, and so that's, and that's just, that's past all the top five guys. So, Edge rusher is really good. I think wide receiver is also really good. The best part about the wide receiver draft, at least in my estimation, is the eclectic nature of the style of play that you're gonna get. You got guys that are smooth, you got the speedsters in the slot, you got big receivers like Drake London. So, you know, those two position groups are the ones that that I'm looking at. And uh, one thing I wanna ask is how do you feel, and you just talked with some of the media for the Jets. Mm -hmm. Obviously
3: they got two picks. I believe one third of the league has multiple picks. And how do you feel that's going to affect the draft because obviously this offseason for the NFL has been crazy, one of the craziest offseasons. Do you feel like there's going to be a lot of transactions and teams
4: trying to take a chance? I think that there are going to be more trades Thursday night than than we anticipate. um, Largely because not of all the teams that have multiple picks, but all the teams that do not have picks. And so they might see a hole on their roster. They might have the ammunition to say, like, hey, I want to go up there and and potentially get into the first round. You've also got teams with the ammunition to then move back up. So, So, for instance, Detroit, you know, they're going to have two, and then I think it's 32 and 34. They could take 32 and 34 and say, like, hey, we thought Desmond Ritter was going to be gone or Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. Should we go up and get him at a value of the the 16th pick, 17th pick, and take those and and flip them back up? So I think you're going to see a lot of movement in large part due to the fact that so many teams have those multiple picks in the first round.
3: One dude I want to talk to you about that I kind of feel like going into the season, and and he still might be a top pick, he will be, uh, Kavan Thibodeau. Yeah. Kind of feels like, the hype is kind of dwelled down to him where he might be a, a nice pickup for a team, but how do you feel like, obviously, there's been a little bit of change and a little bit of hype um, with a couple of the different edge rushers?
4: Kayvon's such a, I mean, it's so fascinating. Do you know that there has not been an interview in, in which I haven't been asked about Kayvon Thibodeau? And I think it's because coming into the season, everyone thought like, oh yeah, he's gonna be the number one pick. And what happened is, is he gets hurt he maybe doesn't put the production up like we maybe anticipated. He doesn't dominate like maybe Chase Young did or the Bosa brothers did or, you know, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, Hutchinson has that type of a year. Um, all of a sudden, this Walker guy is like, wow, he hasn't really been a starter. And now this guy is dominating. Jermaine Johnson, he transfers. He ends up having a great year. And all of a sudden, you're you're sitting there and you're like, any little wart, if you want to call it, on Kayvon, whether it's, you know, his confidence bordering on arrogance. Whether it's his focus being on business interests, any little thing, and it's easy to pass him up because you've got other options. If there were no other edge rushers, he'd get selected number one overall because he's talented enough to get selected number one overall. He is a dominant force when he wants to be on the field when he's healthy. Uh, so he's a fascinating case study, you know. In at least for me, that everything matters. It doesn't just matter what you do between the lines, it matters what you do outside of football as well. Um, I will say that the other guys, those other top four guys, had better meetings with teams than Kayvon did. So that matters, like that's going to be tangible. So for me, at this point, the biggest question I have as far as edge rushers is, is it going to be Kayvon that goes before Jermaine Johnson, or is it going to be Johnson that goes before Kayvon?
3: And you bring up Kayvon and and the team meetings and how important that is and those characteristics. Obviously with the Raiders, um, they brought in McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, a new organization, and they started in January. Do you feel like they're at a disadvantage in terms of scouting and preparing for the draft is a year-round thing, and they're kind of starting behind
4: the ball? that do you feel like it's a little bit of a disadvantage um it's a good that's a good question i always just think i never think about that from an nfl perspective i always think about it from a college perspective in which yeah. the answer is quite clearly and obviously yes it's a huge disadvantage but i'm not sure about i think that it matters more the style in which you want your uh, scouting department to run there are teams that allow their scouting department to have a lot of say and a lot of that is built up and then there are teams where it's just like, hey, the GM and the coach basically end up making the decision anyways. Um, I think where it ends up being a disadvantage is later in the draft. You can figure out the top end of the draft, you know, pretty quickly, but later in the draft, do you have the depth within your organization and the trust within your organization for when a guy stands up in the sixth round or seventh round and says, we need to select this guy? I think that's where it would be a disadvantage.
3: And I, I do, I wanna ask you, covering college and kind of knowing these players better than some of the NFL analysts because day in and day out, you're covering and you're watching these players. When you see, and we talked about it to start the interview with teams making transactions and trying to get the veteran players in the NFL, does it just kind of frustrate you in terms of like some of these dudes are talented and, and you can still build a team the quote-unquote old-fashioned way?
4: Yeah, I think what's... What's been interesting to me is, is the amount of kids that have come out of college and because of the pandemic have, you know, fallen through the cracks, I think for a lack of a better term, primarily because in particular in the offseason in which there wasn't a lot of offseason workouts, the NFL relied more on known, known commodities. So there weren't weren't as many, I would say openings for young players. I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but this is a, a fascinating draft and the depth of this draft is, 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 is there because there's so many kids. Remember, we've got a bunch of guys in here that took an extra year for, for COVID. So you've got this, it's basically three years worth of guys shoved into one draft. And that means that a lot of them are gonna fall through the cracks. But well, with the Raiders having
3: a pick on Friday, third round, that's good for them. Yeah, uh, Having so much talent. And uh, before we get out of here, I wanna focus here on the Raiders and actually the AFC West. Couple transactions have been made yeah. with a couple teams in the division. Uh, how did you see all those transactions, and, and who do
4: you think's going to be the top dog? Well, I think it's hard to to say that Kansas City's not the top dog, even though they they lost a lot, in particular on offense with their wide receivers, uh, with Tyreek leaving. But this is, I think, the best division in football moving forward. Um, when you've got four quarterbacks that you could see all going deep into the playoffs, I think that that's. There's no division, other division, that I can really see that in. Um, I think that the biggest question for me is, like, who's going to stand out as the second-best team? I think Denver's really talented, and if Russell plays like he he used to, watch out. The Chargers, everybody in that division is like, hey, Herbert's an animal. Uh, The Raiders have been talented, and they were right there. They've been in the playoffs. So I think it's a fascinating division.
3: Uh, Last question, Devontae Adams, Derek Carr. That connection. How do you feel like it's going to do
4: now should, that should work really well. Devonte yeah. is really good. Derek has. I don't think he's had a target like Devonte, and that's nothing against the other targets, but Devontae is just such an elite player. Um, it is. Listen, giving that amount of money to a 30 year old wide receiver, it's not unprecedented, but you know we'll, we'll see how it pays off long term. But I'm I'm certainly excited to see how they play.
3: Awesome, Joe Clatt, yeah. He'll be on NFL Network all weekend long covering the draft. One of the best in the business, uh, Joel. Thank you for the yeah, time. You bet. Thank you. Ooh, pardon the interruption. For quality purposes, I did get a chance to ask Joel about Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, who presumably was supposed to be the number one pick for the Jaguars up until this week.
4: <laughs> I think Aiden Hutchinson could have um, a JJ JJ Watt style career. Um, I think that he's that good athletically. I think that he can dominate in every area in the run game, in the pass game. He's got multiple pass rushing moves. He doesn't rely just on on one you know tool in his toolbox. And then you can you you also say like, how is he in the locker room? Unprecedented as far as his leadership goes. What he was able to do at Michigan. If I had the first pick, I would select Aiden Hutchinson. What about uh, cornerbacks in this year's class, especially ones that may go towards the middle and the back end of the first round, talking Tyler Gordon, Andrew Booth. Your thoughts on those guys, maybe as they fit with the AFC North, a lot of teams are needing some cornerbacks in that division. They they are. Uh, I'm trying to just think right now about some of the AFC North. I will tell you that, you know, McDuffie might not fit in that. I mean, he might go a little bit higher, but you've got Booth, Gordon, Elam. Those are all really good players. I think Booth is interesting because he's been, he's such a good athlete going all the way back. He was a five star recruit, as you know. Um, I'm interested to see how his squad issue is gonna uh, affect him going into the off season. And if you're a man team, that's where he's gonna be best. Best. So so much of corner is like fit, scheme fit. Whereas like McDuffie, I think can play both. I think Booth needs to be in more of a man scheme because that's where he excels, uh, Gordon. Did you know Gordon was a competitive dancer as a kid? I did not <laughs> know that. I did not <laughs> know that. Right? I love this, right? So he and he was really good. He was really, really good. Um, played basketball, ran track, all that stuff. He was only a one-year starter, and it was in his fourth season. And and to me, that's always I don't want to call it a red flag, but I'm always like, well, why you know why didn't he get on the field a little bit sooner? Um, I think Booth is probably a little bit better than Gordon, and then Elam is a guy that has the bloodlines, you know, his dad played, he was a a freshman, All-SEC as a freshman in 2019, led Florida and PVUs and INTs for, you know, a bunch of years. So I I just like him, he's got good length, he's 6'2", 200 pounds, he's got good speed, probably faster than he is quick, Um, but I do know that he was a really good worker off the field as well.
3: There it is, that was Joe Clapp from Fox Sports college football analyst so also if you're going to be watching the draft and not coming down here he'll be at the desk at the nfl network um and yeah just a lot of good insight especially with those corners there at the end which yeah the
1: booth the booth the booth is on fire
3: no it is it is so and you know what we had what yesterday who on the show as well
1: we we had somebody on the show yes who the trey wingos we did have Trey Wingo on yesterday. That was yesterday, wasn't it? Yes it, it
3: was. How quickly
1: is... we forget about some of the biggest interviews of our lives. Yeah,
3: it's been a blur. Just a reminder <laughs> Seriously, um, though. if you want to listen to that uh that interview with Joe Clyde again or the one we did with Trey Wingo, be sure to go on that Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast and just search the playmakers.
1: That's- Mostly Odyssey app, it seems like the easiest thing to do. <laughs> Did I say I mean, the Playmakers yeah. app? No, no, I'm just reiterating your oh, point. No, you didn't do anything wrong. Don't make that assumption, sweetie. I'm thinking about
3: the future, about it's what's okay.
1: next. It's okay, it's okay. We're here, Plus. we're at the draft, we don't have to rush anywhere. We have our show planned out. We even have a an interview pre-taped later on in our show with Trista Crick because uh, we're not going to miss that in our weekly visits. And so don't worry, people. Everything is fine. Everything is secure. The bag, the picks, all of it. we we'll back on the other side of the break. NFL Draft Talk, finally. Probably should get into that now that we're here. I'm forward to the bet.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Live on Radio Row at the 2022 NFL Draft on 1140 The Bet and the Odyssey app.
1: Greetings and salutations from Charlotte's Web of Sports with a Z. We are live here from the NFL Draft. Big Al here leading us into the final segment of the first hour. Don't worry, we have a whole nother hour on the other side, but we are going to get into some draft talk or drafts of past right adrian
3: of course and and just you saying that we're here at the nfl draft it just it just sounds right Lindsay. it really well, does I, I hope
1: it sounds right because it certainly feels right we're, we're we're gaining steam we're gaining i won't say they're followers but mostly friends right? friends, friends and
3: acquaintances people in sure. suits it seems like important people in suits I know. seems a little too too hot for all that noise. It's a good but we're place the veterans. To look important. Yeah, we're the veterans here that live here. We're Absolutely. prepared, right?
1: We are the veterans. You're in a t-shirt. I'm in uh, you know, an all black outfit basically to hide from the sun. And when it comes to the NFL draft, you know, this is the starting point for a lot of these young men in terms of their professional career, but it takes so much from so many to get them here. And then when you have, say, like an investment in a player that's kind of taking a flyer or maybe it's a late round pick and he pays off, like there's something vindicating about that. Right. And, And so I want to get into a little bit about our favorite current NFL players and their draft stories, because.
3: Thanks for saying players because if it's teams browns we don't have much luck in the draft no, but anyway let
1: me tell you no <laughs> one likes you this year. I'm just going to I'm just going to say that right now. We're the now. Golden Knights. Yeah, exactly. You Brooklyn Nets and the uh, and the Golden Knights, the the holy trinity of sports fandom that sucks. But Whoa. Like, wow, I'm just saying. I said sucks. Uh, but my favorite Minnesota Vikings player. Number 99. Daniil Hunter. We even saw a gentleman out At the NFL Experience, I had to give him a hand hug, we interlaced briefly. It
3: was a moment.
1: It was a moment. It it needed to be had. Shout out to Big Dan. But Daniil Hunter is a dominant force for the Minnesota Vikings when he's healthy. That's been a challenge the last couple years, and it's kind of understandable considering what type of body he is because he was one of those later round picks that the Vikings took a chance on. High ceiling, high motor, we, have, uh, we had Andre Patterson coaching up the defensive line. He's no longer there, but a project. And not only did he hit, he hit it big. Like this guy is on a Hall of Fame pace. You know, he was drafted in 2015, third round pick, 24th pick of that round at that time. He was ,65, 252 pounds. Arms 34 and a quarter, just shy of greatness there. Uh, and hands the size of 10 inch, 10 and a half inches, like that matters. It matters to the NFL. Kenny
3: Pickett.
1: Kenny Pickett.
3: His hands actually grew. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Yeah,
1: but... Actually, though, like I said, this he is on a Hall of Fame pace because he became the youngest player in NFL history to reach 50 career sacks when he was 25 years old. That was a couple seasons ago, and I remember this because he was the youngest guy in his draft class when he was picked. And so he was in the league for for from a young age because I know there's an age requirement. Is it 21, 22, right? Yeah. It's kind of grandfathered in based off of birthdays and what have you. But he has been... Really, the the X factor for the Minnesota Vikings defense. There's a reason why they've had so many struggles, especially in the secondary, and it's because they don't have a reliable line to get after the uh, opposing quarterbacks. And a lot of that has to do with Daniel Hunter, his motor, his ability to rip through people. And as I said, just an unbelievable athlete. I hope that his career isn't cut short by that fact because sometimes we see that. So you just run it so hard and it's such a high yeah. efficiency thing
3: especially on those lines yeah
1: and there's just there's a lot of rumors out there of just that maybe moving on or trading him it makes me super nervous but he he is the guy that i always think of when it comes to draft diamond found in the rough all you got to do just sparkle it up a little bit. We'll polish.
3: With mine, uh, it made me sad because it's like he's not actually on my team anymore, but he might come back. Talking about Jarvis Landry, he come back. Um, this this is a guy who's at LSU. Obviously, he went to LSU with OBJ, um, and and there's kind of a little bit of a correlation with in this year's draft, um, Drake London from USC, because going into that pre-draft season, uh, when Jarvis was going into the draft. He was a promising prospect. Of course, he had a great season at LSU, Mm -hmm. but he had a set of bad workouts. Um, He went to the Combine. He had one of the worst, or if not the worst, running time out of all the receivers that what showed year is up this to the again? combine. We're going back to 2014.
1: So it's easy for uh, – Going into the 2014 uh, season. That, that's, a, that's a year where it's easy to really pump up the wide receiver diva slash not performing up. Like, I feel like his draft stock was was dampened more than others just based off of the the time that we existed.
3: Yeah, and he ran a 4.77. Um, his vertical leap was second worst of the position. Whew. Um, you know, he said he had a hamstring. They did the pro day at LSU. Uh, that vertical didn't, Im- or the 40-yard the, uh, dash didn't improve that much. And because of that, a guy who we thought was probably going to go top 15 ended up getting second round to the Dolphins. And the reason why I say it correlates with Drake London, uh, Drake London in this year's draft, because of injury, he didn't show up to the combine. He didn't show up to the workout at USC, the pro day workout for USC. And when they asked him, they said, hey, you want to see how fast I am, go check the tape. And there were certain people in the league that were like, look.
1: Speaking of different time, different place. Yeah.
3: Right? No, 100%. And, and when it came to Jarvis, when people were like, look, this this guy wasn't successful because he was a speed demon. Like This right. guy knows how to run a route. This guy knows how to get a position. And This guy played at LSU. You're in the SEC. Um, so that's kind of similar to me right now with Drake London where – for Drake, he's 6'5". Jarvis is not 6'5". No. But he knows how to run his route. He's smooth. He has that ability. He's good character he, guy,
1: too. Yeah. He works he, his ass off.
3: And he knows how to use his body. And it's just it's one of those things where sometimes the intangibles look so appealing and it looks so sexy when you're running and doing a 40-yard dash when you're not necessarily going to do that in the game. Especially There's with the premium
1: positions, too. And, and it's, it's understandable because if, if you're a wide receiver, I expect you to be able to run quickly. And have good hands. And if you're not hitting those times, I, like I said, I, I don't really have a problem with teams being like, uh, ah, I don't know. Now, there's the trust fall of actually picking him and, and seeing what he turns out to be, which the Cleveland Browns did. But um, a, a great pick for for kind of one of those underrated players. I, I would be
3: five Pro Bowls. pissed
1: if they moved on from him. Yeah. I, I want him to come back.
3: And the latest report with Ian Rappaport is it's down to the Saints – and the Cleveland Browns depending uh, on what happens in the draft with the Saints possibly uh,
1: the Saints can Jameis go wide receiver or Deshaun
3: Well, or or who's who's our backup? Whatever, Jacoby Brissett. Uh,
1: Technically, Baker Mayfield's your backup, (laughs) right?
3: Still, you love it. The Saints do have an opportunity. They can go offensive tackle. They need a wide receiver. They need a quarterback. The Saints need a lot of stuff. They have two picks in the uh, in the first round.
1: Do you know the name of the New New, Orleans coach off the top of your head? Oh my lord! Hold
3: on. We're gonna have to rewrite some some of our
1: our long term information that we have stored. Oh,
3: Dennis Allen. Dennis
1: Allen, the most generic of names. Dennis Allen,
3: and the Saints say they, they could. We'll, we'll see where they who go. You, they should who do you get a think left tackle. Is
1: that that darling in this draft for you? Because you've done way more prep than I have when it comes to this. Like, who do you think is going to be that underrated player that maybe people would consider, but there's enough on the on the sheet for them to say, eh, we're not gonna we're not gonna take him. But he could.
3: I'm gonna off. I'm gonna go Chris Olave. Um, obviously, you got tackles, you got edge rushers, and you got wide receivers this draft. And depending how it plays out. Someone is eventually going to go down and not go where they thought they were. That's true. And Chris Olave isn't the fastest dude. Uh, he's taller than most, but he isn't as tall as Drake London. He's not getting that hype because being at Ohio State and all those great receivers, obviously Garrett Wilson as well, at Ohio State. So I got Chris Olave.
1: Chris Olave, you're the guy. Apparently, at least according to Adrian, a whole another hour to convince him otherwise. On the other side of the break, 11:40 to the bet.